A reading from the book of Deuteronomy. These are the commandments, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Paul. I'm the senior pastor here. It's a joy to have you join us in worship today. Welcome to all those who are joining us online. Today we're going to do something a little different. Typically what we're doing today we would do in person, but uh, circumstances would have it that one of our uh, panelists or participants lives in Connecticut, another is now in Minnesota, and then another is in Charleston. So I, with these participants or panelists, pre-recorded something special for this day. So in lieu of a sermon, we'll introduce you to that here in a minute. But before we begin, would you bow your heads with me as I share one more brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, we pray, come, Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Greetings to our One Fellowship family and our panel today. Today we're going to be doing something just a little bit different here in our church. In lieu of a sermon, we're going to share in a panel together. Now, given that Today is Mother's Day that we're celebrating. We will focus some of our attention on motherhood, but we'll also focus our attention on other items such as womanhood, being a son, being a daughter, and just being a follower of Jesus and what that looks like for each of us. It's our hope that for everyone listening today, we'll be able to connect with the stories that are shared, both in the hopes and the hardships. And we'll fall more in love with Jesus. I'm reminded of these words from the Apostle Paul from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1, uh, 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And today I am thrilled 
to welcome the following panelists. From Connecticut, from New England, we have Nicole Zazowski. Nicole is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she's the author of From Lost to Found, Giving Up What You Think You Want for What Will Set You Free. And we also have our very own Kathy Amendolia and Carly Sorensen, my lovely bride. So let's jump right in. Today is Mother's Day. What feelings does this day evoke for you? Kathy, I'm going to put you on the spot. What feelings does today evoke for you? Well, um, first of all, sadness, because I did not have a good relationship with my mom. And then uh, second of all, cynicism, because I feel like um, it's a ploy by the card companies to make money. And so it makes me a little cynical. And then uh, thirdly, um, it, I realize how blessed I am. And if I can just share a quick story, um, I know I have 30 seconds. Um, one one uh, particular uh, Mother's Day, I, I didn't hear from anybody. I didn't get a call. And I usually talk to my kids two or three times a week. But Mother's Day came, went, no call. I went to bed devastated, crying. My kids are all in their 50s. They're adults. Only to wake up the next day and find out that Mother's Day was a week away. <laughs> I got the date wrong. <laughs> but I know how blessed I am. So that's my other answer is blessed. So kind of a mixed, a mixed response. Yeah. All right. I'm going to turn to my wife, Carly. What does Mother's Day do for you? Uh, it's definitely a mixed response for me as well. Um, my first response is like, yes, finally, I'm going to get celebrated for, you know, all the things that go unnoticed all the time. And um, so, I, you know, I like, I like that my family celebrates me on Mother's Day, but um, I feel a little guilty because whenever my husband asks me what I want for Mother's Day, I mostly just like want to be alone. So... <laughs> Um, so I feel guilty that like my, uh, my gift is not actually being a mother for the day. I want Paul to be my, you know, do my job for the day. Um, I also, this year I feel really thankful cause, um, I've had a hard year being apart from my family and I'm going to be with them for mother's day. So being able to actually be with my mom this year is really meaningful, um, after a lot of really hard things over the past year. So just a new kind of thankfulness for me. And then lastly, um, I, I have a heaviness for um, a lot of my friends who either aren't married or um, haven't had a chance to have children and how um, this day is a difficult day for them. So um, they're on my heart and mind when I think about Mother's Day. Mm. All right, Nicole, how about you? What, what does today evoke for you? Um, my answer is mixed as well. Um, seems to be a theme, which I think is normal. Uh, for me, it looks like a lot of gratitude. Um, I came into married life and with plans of having a family um, and very much that, that story did not go how we thought it would initially, especially. Um, we, my husband and I had have had five miscarriages to date. Um, and it became very quickly that what I thought was a next step um, 
you know, just something Jimmy and I would decide to do is become parents. Um, it is a pure gift. It is not something we earn. It is not, um, it's, it's a gift of grace. And so I approach this day with a lot of gratitude. We now have three children. Um, I, and it's also mixed with grief, um, thinking about the babies that I hold in my heart and, and not in my home. Um, you know, wondering who they are and, uh, looking forward to meeting them on, on the other side of heaven. Um, and then like Carly, I, I also feel this, this sense of burden, um, for my friends who, yes, either are not married or have not had the chance to have children, um, for, for people like, uh, Kathy, who, um, have complicated relationships with their mom. I'm, I'm just, as a therapist, I'm aware. Uh, I have, I have the privileged seat of sitting with a lot of women who, um, it's a complicated day and I, I'm aware of that in the midst of my joy. And Nicole, we actually interviewed you last year about your book. Mm -hmm. And I think I mentioned at the time that for me, also as a former therapist, it's perhaps the best book on grief through a biblical lens that, that I've read in recent years. And so I highly recommend anyone who struggling with um, grief in any way to pick up Nicole's book from lost to found. You won't regret it. All right, ladies, who has been your biggest influence uh, in your life as a woman or as a as a mom, and what was it that they shared or did for you that helped shape you? It could be a man or a woman, but who's been your biggest influence? We'll go back to Kathy. <laughs> um, when when I was in my thirties, uh, we lived in Toronto for three years, and there was a woman in our church who was in her seventies, and she and I became very good friends. She was my prayer partner. And uh, she really modeled the love of Jesus to me. She modeled uh, graciousness uh, to me. She was always interested in other people. And uh, she was just a, a, a real mentor to me. And it influenced me. She was also a grandmother to our children. And uh, to this day, each of our kids has a picture of her and her husband in their home, which just blesses us whenever we go there and and see that. So I would have to say her, her name was Mrs. Duncan. What I love about Kathy, your story is I know a, a lot more about your story and then we probably have time to, to unpack here today, but you, you had a pretty rough upbringing with your own mom and, and what you've just shared is you had essentially a spiritual mom. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it just shows we don't, we don't have to even necessarily even have our own kids to, to make a lasting imprint. Uh, in the life of another. All right, Carly, how about you? Who has been the in biggest influence on you as a woman or as a mom? Uh, I would have to say it would be my mom. Um, so I was thinking about this question. The one thing is growing up, she made it look so easy. And so I expected to come into motherhood and for it to be easy and it's very hard. So um she just took a lot of things in stride. Um, there are a lot of difficult things that she um, has been through herself and um, she just made it look easy. And the things that really stick out about my childhood is she celebrated big, like, and I take that into my family now, celebrating big birthdays and holidays and just really making traditions a special thing in our home. 
And probably most importantly, just being present. I mean, she was a very present person, um, you know, home when we're coming home from school, asking about our day, checking in about like specific friends and specific situations. And um, now that I'm a mom with three teenagers, I realize how hard that is. And uh, I'm even more appreciative of just the way that she was really present. And one thing that she did tell me when I had little um, babies and little preschoolers, and she said, when they're teenagers, they're going to need you just as much as they needed you, just in a different way. And so now that we have three teenagers, I do see that and just the, um, the importance of being present, even as they're getting older uh, in different ways. But um, that was really important to me. And that's one thing that really I took away from her. All right, Nicole, how about you? Your biggest influence um, in terms of you being a woman or a mom? Uh, two come to mind. The, the first is my my own mom. I was blessed with a mom who actually had a really painful childhood herself. Um, and, you know, no mother is perfect, but I give my mom a lot of credit for what she was able to give to me um, that she did not have herself. Um, took a lot of reparenting of her own self to be able to pour that out uh, to me. And um, in that, one of the things that she always emphasized, both as a parent and um, just as a person um, that she passed down to me is just the importance of Christ dependence. Um, And so in these early years, (laughs) when my kids are small and I want to fix things that I can't. And um, I'm already confronting so many, um, so many things that leave me so aware of, of not only my own brokenness, but just um, my, my limits as a human and as a mom. Um, And so helping me see my need for Christ as a really wonderful thing is something that I'm so grateful for um, in my mom. And then um, my mentor comes to mind, who's actually, um, an older man. Um, and he is my, he was a professor at Fuller where I went to school. Um, and just the, has studied families and, and just the, the wisdom that he has passed on to me from my twenties into my thirties. Um, there's some one-liners that, that really stick with me, um, as I parent my own kids. So I'm grateful for that. That's fantastic. Again, the, the role of a biological mom, but even like a, a father figure or a spiritual mom. That's excellent. Okay. What's been your greatest struggle or one big struggle as a woman or as a mom? I'm going to start with my wife. Uh, this is an easy one for me. It's balance, like balancing everything, whether it's being a, a wife, a mother, working, church, cleaning, cooking, taxing kids around, and then trying to, you know, take care of myself personally, spiritually, uh, physically. Um, it is always just a difficult thing to figure out how to balance all of those things and to, you know, put Christ first and then, you know, everything else after that. So, um, I have not figured that out. I'm still, you know, just (laughs) daily trying to figure out how to balance everything, but just relying on Christ uh, to help me do that. Mm. All right, Nicole, how about you? What's been your greatest struggle as a woman or as a mom? 
I think um, parenting my myself <laughs> as I parent my kids, I grew up with this message that um, if I wasn't perfect or didn't please, that I would get rejected, not, not from my parents, um, but that was just a message I got from, from other wounds and places in my life. And so I assumed that because I would love my kids so much, and I do love my kids so much, that, um, that I would be immune from passing that on to them. Um, and yet I catch myself, I, I catch myself, not that I'm tempted to reject them, but I'm so worried that other people, um, will reject them if they're not perfect, which is of course not true. Um, but it just goes to show me how aware of my own wounds I need to be, um, and how much I need to take responsibility for those. Um, because they will leak out into, into my parenting and give my kids messages that I don't mean for them to have. So that's, that was the first struggle that came to mind. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And Kathy, how about you? I think my biggest struggle was not having, um, a role model and, and not knowing how to be a good mom and, um, realizing that I just had to throw my total dependence on the Lord because I I couldn't do it. I didn't have it. I didn't have um, I didn't have anything to back up to, or or I didn't have a backup plan. I I just had to figure it out as I went along and um, and and totally rely on the Lord to show me. Mm-hmm. All right, let's turn our attention a little bit towards um, a biblical framework as you consider biblical stories of women. Uh, with whom do you relate to the most and why? So we'll go to Kathy. Um, I think I relate the most to Mary Magdalene. I just love her. I think she is so cool. She was bold. She went in and anointed Jesus, and then she is at his feet learning from him, and she's at his feet worshiping him. I love that about her. I love how she loved the Lord. Um, I love that when that, that she went to be there um, after, after, he was, after he died and was put in the grave, and, and I love it that she knew his voice. You know, when somebody dies, you don't ever expect to hear their voice again. And she didn't recognize him. She thought he was the gardener. But when he said Mary, she knew his voice. And that's what Jesus said. My, my sheep know my voice. So she knew him. And then she got to be not only the first one that Jesus appeared to, but she got to become an apostle because he sent her to go and tell others. And that's what she did. So I, I, I just love her. I never get enough of Mary Magdalene. She's a cool lady. Good. And I can see that passion in you. Anyone that's hung out with you knows you're wide open for Christ. All right, Nicole, how about you? Um, I I would have to say Elizabeth, uh, John the Baptist's mom and Zechariah's wife. I um, I love her awareness of Christ's presence in her pain, having had all those years of infertility and longing for a child and dealing with the cultural stigma of not being um, a mom. And 
And yet her readiness and her uh, willingness to celebrate um, Christ's gift to her in, in having a baby boy, um, I, I have a hard time transitioning from pain to joy and just her, her readiness to celebrate and her willingness to believe and see God's goodness and trust God's goodness um, as she made that transition to hearing this miraculous news that she was going to be a mom. Um, and we, we see that in contrast to Zechariah's response. Yes, we do. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's just a real model to me um, and, and something that I do not do easily, but I'm working on. Mm, that's good. All right, Carly. Uh, the first one that came to mind was Martha, who um, she kind of gets a bad rap in that she, um, you know, she's mad at her sister for sitting at Jesus's feet and is like, Jesus, why won't you, you know, don't you care that she's not even helping me to like get the food ready or whatever? And Jesus says, you know, Martha, you are uh, worried about many things, but only one thing really matters. And he's saying, it's, you know, sitting at my feet, Mary has chosen the right thing. So, you know, she kind of gets a bad rap if she's, you know, busy and worried, which I totally relate to. And she's also kind of indignant, like, don't you even care, Jesus, that, you know, she's not helping me. And then um, later when uh, her brother Lazarus dies and Jesus comes and it's been four days since Lazarus died. And Mary actually stays in the house when she hears that Jesus is coming. But Martha does go out to Jesus and says to him, you know, if you had been here, I know my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask for. And so, you know, there's some anger there and like, you know, like, why aren't you here? And at the same time, she's like, but I still have faith that, you know, you can ask and you can change even in this situation. So, you know, she inspires me in the sense that I can relate to her feelings of like worry and anger and indignation, but also she still has this faith and is like, but Jesus, I know you can still, you know, show up, show up and do big things. So um, I relate to that on a lot of levels and just want to continue to have you know, faith like that, even in the midst of, you know, the tough times in life. All right. Ladies, if you were to talk to a younger you, what would you tell her? Kathy? I would say to a younger me, love your children well. Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Do the best you can, trust the Lord, and just love your kids. Show them that you love them. Give them a lot of affection. All right, Carly? I would tell myself to prioritize presence over perfection or productivity um, with my family, with my friends, especially with the Lord. Uh, and the, this verse came to mind uh, from Philippians. It says, of this, I am sure that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it at the day of Christ Jesus. And I would just tell myself that, you know, God has begun a good work in you and he's going to be faithfully completing it, but it's not going to be totally finished and you're not going to be perfect until at the day of Christ Jesus. So um, lean into his faithfulness, not into your, you know, perfectionism. Um, as you go on through all the different seasons of your life. Thank you. And Nicole? Yeah, I would tell her that the 
little things are the big things. Um, and not as pressure, but as things we tend to dismiss, delight, fun, um, presence, um, the crusted Cheerios on the countertop, you know, the things we dismiss is not important in the moment. Um, those, those are the things that, that matter, um, long, long term, not what I might be tempted to think matters on the, in that given moment. Um, and, and that Christ is using both your weakness and your strengths. Um, he is working through it all, um, in your kids' lives and, you don't need to, to be Jesus to your kids. You just need to point him, point them to, to the one who is, um, um, to Christ himself. So that would be my encouragement that to myself then and, and now. <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing a common theme of like presence, not perfectionism, not a focus on productivity and, uh, just soaking and leaning into God's grace. All right, this is going to be our last question. In view of Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, what is one resource or practice you have found helpful as a parent? Uh, Kathy? I think the practice that I have found most helpful as a parent is um, praying for my children. And um, there's three different ways that I pray for them. Um, one is I uh, looked up the meanings of their name to pray for them by their name, what, what their name means. And the second way was asking the Lord to give me a scripture for each of them that I could pray into their, into their lives. And then the third thing was um, when they were little, when they lived at home, um, and they were going out to school, I, I always laid a hand on them just real quick when they were out the door and just blessed them and gave them to the Lord for the day. And um, that really proved helpful because uh, one day um, I got a call. My daughter was in fifth grade, and I got a call around the end of the day saying my daughter had been hit by a car. And so as 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 I rushed to they called an ambulance as I rushed to where she was. I was praying and the Lord reminded me, didn't you put her into my hands this morning? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, I did. And, and then he said, well, then aren't you going to trust me in this? Mm -hmm. and so it was quite a lesson for me um, just to continue to pray. And, and even today we pray every day for our kids, even though they're, you know, grown up and, and gone. So I, I would say the practice of prayer. Okay. Carly. Uh, the first thing that came to mind was just going to church regularly. Uh, that might seem like a really basic thing, but um, as a child growing up, that was a huge part of who I am today. And especially um, getting into the teen years, like being part of our youth group and things like that. Um, and so I just feel like as parents, we are part of, a, I mean, and as Christians, we're part of a bigger family. And so when I bring our kids to church, I really feel like they're part of a bigger family and that we're all in this together. Um, if it were just Paul and I just raising our three teenagers, I think it'd be overwhelming. But knowing um, we have the help of 
all of our friends who are there and, and, you know, Cody does such a great job with the youth group and Molly does such an amazing job with the children's ministry. Um, I just think that those things are so invaluable because they offer things that are beyond the scope of what Paul and I can offer as parents. And um, it makes me feel like I'm not in this alone. You know, we have all these other um, grandparents and friends and things that, you know, pour into our kids' lives there, which I'm, I'm very thankful for. Mm. That's good. And Nicole? I feel like I'm getting so many good ideas. I'm just want to sit here and listen. Um, yeah, I think the exercise of, of prayer has been a valuable one for me, reminding, reminding myself that these are not my kids, but they're God's kids. And it's an exercise of entrusting what he has entrusted to me back to him. Um, and that he has given them to me to, to steward and um, to raise, but that he, they are his kids. And so it's almost a, uh, a ritual um, to remind me of that truth in addition to the, the many benefits that come from uh, praying for my kids. Um, and Kathy, I loved your ideas on how to do that specifically. Um, and then I would say also that uh, one of the most formational things in my faith was the other adults that my parents invited into my life to be, to help shepherd my faith, to help shepherd me as a woman, um, to understand what it looks like to be a godly woman and what a godly man looks like um, as I grew older. And I just had so many wonderful examples that were all different, um, but that showed me different pieces of what that could look like. So I had a really big imagination um, for uh, going into the future and what that um, what it would look like to to follow Jesus as an adult. I had a big imagination for what that looked like because I got to see it in the lives of so many different adults that my parents invited to mentor me and to walk alongside me. So we hope to do the same with our kids and we've already started that. And I know that there's many yet to come. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing all of your stories and answers today. Some of the highlights even from this last question are um, to broaden our imagination by recognizing we're part of a bigger family and Carly, as you said, we're not meant to go it alone. We don't have to go it alone. And as you guys were saying that, I, as a son of the faith and as a father of the faith, am a byproduct of those people who've poured into me as brothers and sisters and moms and dads. Some of the people that come to mind for me on this Mother's Day are my own mom. She used to write me little notes and send them in the mail to me at boarding school. And, uh, just this week, that really touched me to think back. Um, I think of this woman, Vivian, a blue-collar lady at one of our old churches, and she showed us the gift of hospitality. I think of Miriam Rockness, another author who showed kind of the gift of wisdom. Uh, I think of Kathy, who's just so gifted in prayer. And, and so many of these women have shaped me as a man. And so on behalf of um, One Fellowship, uh, I just want to say thank you so much again for sharing your stories. Kathy, can you close this time with a word of prayer for all of us? Sure. Father, Father we just thank you that uh, 
that you hear us, that you know our conversation. And uh, Father, we pray that uh, the things that have been spoken here would uh, minister to others, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. We pray that your Holy Spirit will touch hearts and touch lives. And uh, Lord, we just thank you that you are such a wonderful, loving God. And we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you.